This is the Tom Bernard Morning Show. The Tom Bernard Morning Show. Streamed every morning on the Tom Bernard Show app and anytime on demand wherever you get your podcasts. We are back right at 7 o'clock. You know, I, gotta go. I need everybody's help, listeners, everybody else, because I have to do the forecast here, the mm-hmm. weather forecast for, you know, pretty much today, the week, well, the whole weekend. Uh, I looked up three different spots and the forecast is completely different on all three of them. So how do you pick? I say we take the average. Just go with the average on it? Yeah. Because one says it's not going to rain at all. Okay. And then uh, another one says a forecast first alert for the possibility of a few severe thunderstorms this afternoon and early this evening. Channel 5, is that a Channel 5 thing? Because that Channel 5, pretty much that's what they said. Yeah, that's where we get our forecast from. If that's the one you're reading is uh, from Ken Barlow. Yeah, so yeah, that's the one I saw. And then I mm-hmm. saw a third one. So I don't know. So we, should we go with Ken Barlow? Is that who we should go with? Well, at least we have someone to point the finger at if it's that's wrong. true. We can point it aggressively. Mm-hmm. Nice weather, Ken. Yeah, Ken, grow up. I haven't seen Ken Barlow in person in a while. He's a good guy. Yeah. But, nice man. Yeah, he's a nice-looking guy. Nice-looking. Like, like, I don't want to say hot because I don't mean it like in like he's hot, but he's an attractive guy. He's a fast runner. Yeah. Like, Is he? Yes. He's like, you know, like long and lean kind of. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like he's attractive. Is that wrong to say it? No, good jawline. Ken Barlow, sorry. You can get it. <laughs> what the hell are you talking about? I just think he's cute, but I don't want to convey that. I'm like, he's hot. I don't know. I don't want to sound creepy, but Ken Barlow, you're a... Got a nice figure. <laughs> a nice figure. So you're saying it's stacked up. Eggert doesn't even come close. Eggert is a very attractive male. But, like, again, it feels weird to say that in any way but, like, a robot. Like, there is proof. Like, they are both very attractive men. That's why they're on television, I'm assuming. Right? But, like, I can't Although, say it. there's some hideous people on TV now, so never mind. I don't want to say it in a way that, like, comes off aggressive. <laughs> Yeah, you know, Ken Barlow is more of the Indiana Jones, yeah. where, you know, uh, Chris Eggert is more of the Shia LaBeouf, you know, the, the matinee good looks, the younger younger guy of the crew, you know? They both are very attractive men, like... Well, there you go. They are! I'm not arguing with you. Uh, why do, do I feel like I'm are? being weird? Well, because if we, if Rudy and I sat here and went, did you see the jugs on that one? That's what I was trying to say in a yeah, very... Yeah, see? But, like... Hannah's very attractive. They're Hannah's all very, pretty woman. very attractive people. I mean, that's they again, are, they're yeah. all on TV. They're all beautiful people. And then us radio gnomes have, yeah. to, the gnomes have to hide in the back. Although, have you seen Ken Barlow's jugs? They are spectacular. That's they, what I'm saying. Jugs. 10 out of 10 for jugs. That's what I'm saying. That's all I have to say. Oh, I feel creepy. There are a couple of news anchors that are not that great, though. You know, you think about it. I'm not going to say who. No. But uh, I look and go, really? Here on TV, yeah. Like when Frank was in here, he's an attractive guy. Oh, Frank's a very handsome man. And a good guy, too. Again, like I mean this in like, they're far too old in my mind for me to say anything like creepy, like, oh, I would whatever. But I don't want to get to come off, but like they are just attractive. And especially Frank's tall and like Mm -hmm. surreal having him in here. Don Shelby's a great looking guy. Yeah. I told, we talked about it yesterday just briefly. Hanging around with Passolt and oh, yeah. Paul Majors and Frank Vassalero and Don Shelby. It's like, oh, okay. Oh. Don, or, um, Passolt has always been a very attractive guy. And I mean that in the way that, like, 
in my mind, the age gap's too big for me to be weird about it. But yeah. I have to keep in mind it's not for everybody else. Like, but when I was an intern, I used to be like, oh, Fazel is dreamy. But he like, is dreamy. Yeah. There's no question. But, like, not in a way that, like, I'm going to approach that in any way. But, like, sorry that you're so attractive. Must be nice. Bye. And you know where the balance of the universe is? Hmm. Okay, though, you just talked about six, seven really attractive guys. <laughs> What's wrong with me today? Who have no sense of humor okay. and are kind of a pain in the ass. Right. There, what do you think? Yeah, there. You know, you've eaten even the deal. Now, some women over the years said they would rather hang out with a smart guy with a sense of humor than a very handsome guy who's into himself. Yeah, same. Well, that's what I'm saying. So, yeah. So th- you can come out a winner anywhere you are. Don't worry about it. Yeah, like... As long as you're funny or something. Actually, yeah, as long as you're... I like warm, funny, reliable, consistent. Like Reliable's good. Yeah, those are all the attributes, especially after I was deployed and was just around all these just little hotheads that may have had a lot of muscles, but I was not into that look. I dated some opposite side of the spectrum after I was deployed. I did. I wanted to be able to, like, take them on in a fight. Kind. I dated some skinny guys after I got done with the deployment. They were hideous, too? No, I never thought so, but I don't think they were, like, classically handsome guys. Mm. It's tough. No question. Yeah. We're solving a lot of problems here this morning, I think. I'm coming off creepy yeah. today. <laughs> Creeper yep. McCreeperton. Well, there's no question about that. Now, I have a question for you about that because there are women that are attracted to very handsome men. There are women who are attracted to guys who are very masculine. There are women attracted to guys who are very, very smart. Yeah. So I, I suppose everybody comes out a winner in that deal, don't they? Yeah. I right? Imagine. I know. I think, I think yeah, it's. It's you. It's always surprised to meet somebody's significant other, and you go, "Okay, so that's that's what you're into." But like, that's the deal. That's your thing, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't even know why I'm bringing this up, but I, I did. I brought it up to Brittany yesterday that this weekend an ex-girlfriend will be at a place where I have to be with my current girlfriend, and I told my current girlfriend yesterday. Yeah, how to per, per Brittany's <clears throat> advice to make sure that you're open about everything, and my my current girlfriend was like. Oh, I can't wait to see this bitch. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that is work out well. so funny. Yeah. So luckily, my girlfriend is hilarious. really laid back and hilarious. Yes. So this wouldn't matter. No. Yeah, she's totally cool about it. But yeah. But like that's, uh, Tom, I know you and Catherine have been together for how many years? 42. Does there any ounce of you guys that get jealous about stuff like? No. Is that just what, what year do you think that was completely gone? Because I'm sure in your yeah, I know what you're saying. There's a reliability year, yeah. but I don't know what it is. Let me. I'd have to think about that. Well, you know, you know what? I know for as long as I'm with this woman, she's very reliable. And yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I don't know when that. I I don't know. Five years, ten. I, I'll have to think it, back. It, it wasn't for me. It's not about the how many years you're together. It's the age you are. Yeah, because because yeah. my probably. brain really settled down with all that stuff around the age of like thirty eight. It just it just left. Like one day I just woke up. I'm like I have no jealous tendencies. But like at twenty two, if my girlfriend we're at a bar, and my girlfriend's chatting it up with another guy, I am steaming at that point. Yeah, and I think it too is like your experiences, right? And I mean you've talked yeah. about this on air. You've been cheated on mm-hmm. in in a, like that. Did that have a big impact for a while? Then going forward. Oh yeah, and okay. especially you know Tom and I talk a lot about you know childhood 
affecting males later in life. Watching my mom go through three hard marriages makes me never, ever want to ever walk down that aisle for anybody, ever. No. But that's not true because at one point you were engaged. I was engaged, yeah. And then after about six weeks of that, I thought, well, there's no way I'm going to be able to spend the rest of my life with this person. So we'll... We will just ride this flight until the gas runs out <laughs> and watch it crash. And then that was that. Yeah. I will tell you, that's one great thing about life is as you move forward, because of social media now, it's the one place I, I, I guess I could find it helpful. That only happened to me once where I thought that I was going, I mean, we never got engaged or anything like that, but I thought we were very, very close. Yeah. It didn't work out and all the rest of it. And I was sad for a while, not, yeah. not a long time. But I will warn everybody out there, don't worry about a thing, because of social media, you can check on them all these years later and go, holy Christ, did I get out of a big one there? (laughs) Yeah. You know what I mean? You you just look at the picture and go, oh my God, she went totally off the deep end. Yeah, I get the opposite. When I look at pictures, I'm like, look at you thriving, girl. But of course, because like that's uh-huh. what they put yeah. on there. Yeah, they, I mean, <laughs> yeah, but they probably look at me and be like, "Dodge such a bullet." No, I mean, no, yeah. mm-hmm. no. I, it's funny because I social media is one of those things where most of the time they're presenting the shiniest version of themselves, sure. right? Like well, if you look, media, yeah. yeah, if you looked at me, there's almost no pictures of me crying in the bathroom hiding from my child. Like, <laughs> sure. but it happens. <laughs> like it absolutely happens. Um, so I just think it's kind of funny when you look back. You have to be so careful to look at it with different lenses on. Um, yeah, I had one person in my life that I thought, I, like you said, like you had that you thought you were going to end up with, yeah. and you didn't. And mm-hmm. it did hurt quite a bit because it was like I, ha- I was so loyal and had done so many things already to sacrifice, like to make sure his life was in a certain way. So that one felt like it, it felt like it, it like ripped my future up. Right, mm-hmm. right. And so it's kind of funny because you're just like, now you look back and you go, oh, it's always, you know what? Like, I can finally see why we weren't meant to be together and why it's like a terrible fit. But man, at the time, it's like, you can't eat, can't sleep. It's, it feels like, I mean, how long do you feel like you were in absolute pain with the breakup? Oh, God, it had to be at least three, four hours. <laughs> Shut up. You're <laughs> such a little bitch. Oh, my yeah. God. Man, what? He, he was hurt until he made the drive through at McDonald's. He was like, all right. I don't believe you supersized. for a second, sir. <laughs> no, I suppose it was a few months. I got so skinny, though. <laughs> no, you, yeah. you, didn't, you wouldn't I eat. I got so skinny. You yeah, I got tiny. Eating. Yeah. No, I, it's, it's an interesting thing to go through I suppose. some people it doesn't bother them at all though some people just burn through relationships like there's no tomorrow yeah I don't know what that's all about but I just whatever yeah you met Catherine and your life has been easy breezy ever since oh there's no just an easy just gliding along everything's fine so if you see her texting in the middle of the night and she was like oh I was texting this guy that would not bug you at all like Oh, what do you mean in the middle okay. of the night? Nine at night, she's laughing on her oh, phone. Oh, then, then, okay. She's laughing on her phone. Mm-hmm. She's like, oh, Kevin's so funny. That's not going to bug you? No. Because I feel like that you can't, right? If you've been married that long. I've seen Kevin, too. It's yeah. not, you know, Kevin's not that hot. It's not that great. But what so. if she says Kevin is a good golfer? Then are you going to get angry? Ooh. No, because she's better than he is anyway. Okay. So there you go. Catherine, if she wanted to, would be a phenomenal golfer, but she just doesn't care enough. About yeah. Her. She's really good. I mean, I, she always beats me, and I'm not that good, don't get me wrong, but she's very, very, very good. She's a, she's a hell of an athlete with a golf club in her hand. How about that? She's funny because she brings on a unique 
approach to everything. Like, my approach is usually try pretty hard on everything, and hers is, we'll see, la, 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 you know. Pretty like her, much. her and Alex kind of fall <laughs> in the same boat where it's like, I've biked with them. I've done a bunch mm-hmm. of things with them where they're like, all right. Like, birds dress them. It's fine. They're just very, like, whimsical, and I'm like breathing heavy on a bike <laughs> well they haven't had a tough life let me point that out yes they have oh they have no okay. i just mean like they've had their own things but they're just <laughs> oh, the I personality totally. type is yeah just kind of like it'll figure itself out it's very true so uh i want to mention just for a couple of seconds here um timmy Ivory. you know tim ivory don't you i don't think so you don't know tim a good friend of Mike Bilsky's and mine, the Poshals. The eight of us got together and went to Jack's Northeast, which scared the piss out of me. Because remember, there was talk a couple of years that it wasn't going to come out of COVID, mm-hmm. that it wasn't going to reopen. But it did, thank God. The place was packed last night. Uh, Billy wasn't there, though. Billy, get off your ass. Yeah, Billy. Know. But I met so many people there. Every person that works there, the manager, the assistant manager, the servers, the bus people, they all listen to the show. Dang. Which is very, very loyal. Well, Billy and I have been friends for many, many years, but the food was phenomenal. I mean, it was just incredibly good. The service was fantastic. Uh, if you haven't been there, get over it. And again, I guess you better pick your time because that place was packed last night, which is good to see after some... It was closed for like two years. Yeah. It really was. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> the original Jack is a very good friend of my family's. Oh, okay. yeah. It, unfortunately, he's passed away now. Right, but yeah. yeah, he was a, and he, uh, we had never eaten at Jack's while he was alive, but we did eat at Little Jack's, which Little was kind of, yeah, not too far from there. But yeah, no, uh, great place. Uh, it's kind of one of those hidden little gems that you kind of forget about and then go, oh, that's right. That place is amazing. We must Phenomenal. go again. Yeah. What kind of food is it? It's a steakhouse, basically. Mm-hmm. Well, it's yeah. steak and seafood. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But they have a back garden area you can sit outside. There's a waterfall. Sure. I love a water feature. 20th and University, there's a waterfall. Yes. Which I really like. Mm-hmm. But you know what? Memories. The memories just really popped out because I looked to my left. There's a private room where my mother's 75th birthday party was. It was a great memory. But then when I was leaving last night, I walked out the front door and I looked across the street and it just popped into my head. So this was from... 1986. That's how long ago. I looked up at the house and I went, oh my God, that was the first place I ever saw a Mark Rosen for governor lawn sign. Really? <laughs> that house. I will never forget it. I'm like, oh my God, people must like this. They're putting signs in their front yard. Did that feel surreal at that moment? It, it was, yeah. It was pretty amazing. Yeah. But yeah, that uh, I love that. That's the one thing I will tell you about the Twin Cities, and I hope everybody agrees, that you just... There are so many great specific areas, completely different areas in the Twin Cities, and I love every one of them. Yeah. It's just a great place. Minneapolis-St. Paul, great area, no question. But, yeah, last night, thank you to everybody at Jack's. You, oh, God, it was wonderful. Obviously, eating with friends is great, but the memories that I have there, and I will close with this. The first time I thought I was making pretty decent money, you know, like, hey, I'm actually doing okay here on this job. I went to eat dinner at Jack's. I could finally afford to eat at Jack's. It was a wonderful thing. That probably felt crazy cool. It did, and I'll never forget it. Who'd you go with? Do you remember? No, I actually don't. No. But did you pick up the whole bill then? Maybe. Yeah. That's kind of a cool feeling. But like the Stanley family, and we we go there. Again, we haven't been there in a few years because they were closed, so... 
I got to get a hold of Timmy Stanley. We got to get the crowd together and go over there. It's just, but I highly recommend it. Wonderful people who actually give a rat's ass. It's a wonderful experience. You know, shouldn't it be? Absolutely. That's what life's all about. Okay, I'm going to read this one because this is the one we got. Forecast first alert for possibility of a few uh, severe thunderstorms this afternoon and early this evening. Warm and more humid with a few thunderstorms this afternoon. A high of 84 tonight. Early thunderstorms ending by uh, ending followed by a clearing, low of 63. Then uh, on Saturday, partly to mostly sunny, 83. And on Sunday, mainly cloudy. Scattered showers and thunderstorms, 74. So basically, it's going to be 84. Then it's going to be 83. And then it's going to be 74. And it looks like showers are going to come and go. I don't know. Some places say it's not going to rain at all. So who the hell knows? But it did rain overnight. You guys got rain overnight, didn't you? Yeah, yes. the dog friggin' woke me up at oh, like 1 yeah. o'clock. And then I looked outside and went, whoa, what's up, laser light show? Yeah. It was wild. It was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dogs don't really care for that too much. No. It is cloudy at 65 right now, ladies and gentlemen. Take a break. Be right back in a couple of minutes. Tom Bernard here for Power Lodge and Miller Marine. Attention to all power sports enthusiasts. This August, we invite you to celebrate with Power Lodge as they hit a major milestone. 25 years of bringing action and excitement to Minnesota as your go-to destination for all things marine and power sports. To say thank you, each of their locations will host a local community appreciation day. It's a wonderful idea. Join Power Lodge in Brainerd, Ramsey, Onamia, or St. Cloud as they roll out the red carpet with delicious food, amazing prizes, fantastic giveaways, and unbeatable special pricing. As the grand prizes, they'll be raffling off a variety of Polaris ATVs, snowmobiles. Yeah, Mr. Dean was talking about that yesterday. Check out PowerLodge.com for event dates near you this Saturday. That is tomorrow. I've got, God, it's the 11th already. I can't believe that. Yeah, tomorrow. Uh, the 12th, join Hubbard and Ramsey at Power Lodge from noon to 2. Win Tom Bernard and score North swag. Plus, someone who registers to win on Saturday will score a pair of Gophers horn, horn, uh, Gopher Cornhusker home opener football tickets. That's coming up on the 31st of the month. Lower level seats in the 50-yard line. Those are great seats. Follow, uh, follow Power Lodge on social media as they unveil 25 days of deals on the latest off-road and on-road vehicles, boats, supplies from the top brands in Power Sports. That's right, 25 days of back-to-back incredible offers. You won't want to miss this. Mark your calendar for this Saturday and get in on the action during the 25th anniversary Power Lodge where throttle therapy begins. This is Bob Sansevier, and I want to tell you about Dave Bialki from Bialki Law. Dave represented my wife, Mary, when she had a significant workplace injury. She was very happy with the job Dave did. If you have a work-related injury and have Dave represent you, I'm betting you'll be happy too. Dave is a down-to-earth guy. He grew up in northern Minnesota, rides a Harley, and worked various jobs doing concrete, electrical, plumbing, roofing, and carpentry work. Dave works for people with work-related injuries. If you work construction, or anywhere for that matter, and you're hurt or even just hurting, you should talk to Dave. Let's face it, our bodies wear out. If your body is worn out from work, if your knees or back or shoulders hurt from things you do at work, do what Mary did. Call Dave and talk to him about it at Bialki Law to set up a free initial conversation consultation. The number to call is 763-571-2410. That's 763-571-2410. Or visit BialkiLaw.com. That's B-I-A-L-K-E-Law.com. There's a guy named Tom Cross who likes to do kite things. Tom takes the phrase, go fly a kite to an extreme, and for years goes all over the country in search of great kite flying events. Lincoln City, Oregon comes to mind with Chinook winds and seven miles of pristine
Queen Beach that draws folks from all over North America for the best kite flying conditions in the world. Tom brings a little Minnesota with him when he goes to Lincoln City in his new 2109S Rockwood Mini Light Travel Trailer. The new lightweights from Rockwood are very popular. Tom hauls his trailer from Niemeyer Trailer Sales in Albertville and Elko New Market, Minnesota. Niemeyer Trailer Sales is the only place Tom would prepare his next kite flight. Solar panels, exterior griddle, air conditioning are just a few of the standard features in his Rockwood by Forest River from the place that is your ultimate RV headquarters since 1965. This is Tom Bernard. Visit my friends at Niemeyer Trailer Sales and take your passion on the road. Niemeyer Trailer Sales. Go to N-I-E-M-E-Y-E-R-S dot com. Niemeyer Trailer Sales. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. This is the Tom Bernard Morning Show Podcast. 721, now 21 minutes after 7 o'clock. Ladies and gentlemen, Bob Sansevier Sports, brought to you by Bialki Law Firm. Heard at work, Dave Bialki goes to work for you, taking care of your workers' comp injury claims and denials. Go to B-I-A-L-K-E-Law.com. That's B-I-A-L-K-E.com. Tell them Bob and Tom sent you. Sandy, you're not allowed to talk about sports in front of me today. Forget it. No, yeah, no problem. You don't want to talk about those two teams anyway. They suck. Okay. One's a, okay, best thing that happened to me last night, Tom, we had the storm come through, you well know. Yes, sir. My television froze, and that was a good thing. And when it unfroze, the Vikings lost the lead. Third End of the third quarter, I said, the hell with this, I'm going to bed. Because I knew yep. where it was heading. This team, this Jaron Hall, he will not be the future quarterback. I know it's a small sample size, but the kids got nothing. Really? So yeah, I, I didn't watch one minute. Team. Back-to-back sacks. Didn't that start at 9 yeah, o'clock? You really didn't miss anything. Yeah. Yeah, it started it at 9 o'clock. 9 o'clock start. Right. Goodbye. I'm going to bed. No, I'm not staying up to watch a preseason no, Viking game. And then how about your, your Twins after winning five in a row? I know. They lose three straight and get shut out twice. Yeah, Bob, not, not only lose three it's, straight. It's going to be one of those days, is what? it? But, uh, uh, uh. What happened? <laughs> you're a disaster. You're breaking up me? a lot. Yeah, you're breaking up. No, I wasn't. Oh, I'm breaking up. I'm sorry. Yeah. Am I breaking up now? If you I talk just louder? did. <laughs> you just did when you said that. You said, when I'm, am I breaking up? You broke up. <laughs> Sandy, I can't even see your fake picture. I'm so, uh, okay. Could what, you, my orb's not there? Your orb's not here. I don't know what the hell's going on, Sandy, but... Maybe you should move in from I'll, South Dakota. I'm calling back. Okay. Perfect. That'll be good. This so might, good. I'll call right back. Okay. This might be my fault. Why? Because I went to get coffee today, and mm-hmm. I went to pay, and I broke the machine. The pay machine? Yeah, so they gave me my coffee for free because they're like, <laughs> ma'am, we don't know what happened with the machine. And then I went to grab my water, and the top came off, spilled all over me. Oh, like, God. I'm still wet. It's fine. It's like a whole gallon of water, and I was, like, just sitting that there. It is about a gallon of yeah, water. Yeah, it was really fun. 
So now I was waiting for the third thing. Mm. And here's the third thing. It's Sanny. It's Sanny, which I would I happily give this as my third thing because I'm too scared it would be a bigger thing. So this is my third. It always comes in threes. It's ruining Sansevier's career. <laughs> I knew it would be involved and she'd be involved in some way. Yeah. My God. It was all her fault. By the way, your icon looks magnificent on the screen now, Bob. Oh, yeah, this one doesn't have a... Uh, I, Tom, there's no way you're going to get a gander at me because my hair is disheveled. I'm disheveled. Wear a hat. Yeah. yeah it's, I'm still disheveled. Well, I'm wearing I've got that disheveled sweatshirt. look. That's, a, that's our look. Well, that's my look for sure. And by the way, oh, you're stunning. let's admit you're in radio. They're all, we are all disheveled. That's yeah. just the way life is. So Bob, I accidentally went on a rant about how hot TV people yeah, are. Yeah, Jesus, morning. we had it 20 so... minutes. You know who's got a big, nice ass is, <laughs> okay, great. A big, nice ass. I would <laughs> never. <laughs> who's got the big juicy? I don't know. I'm not like a Sammy. girl. I don't know. I mean, I know there's some women who love a big butt. That's not my, like, I'm not anti-big butt, but that's definitely not my thing. So wait a minute, you were talking about the guys or the women? I thought you were talking the about guys, the guys. and then I wanted to even it out, so I started talking about how beautiful the women there are. There you go. It got so weird, Bob. I got, so, you know how I can just get weird. I got a mess. Was, was she fawning all over Joe Schmidt and his big butt? He doesn't have a big butt. I don't or think, does he? I don't know, but our listener wrote in and said, Joe wrote in, Brittany, you're making it so weird. Yeah, really? Yeah. Who ever heard of that? Yeah, so. I've never gotten that email before. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> Palomino. Anyway, now it sounds good, though. It, yeah. it, it sounds a lot better, Sandy. I'm on the phone because I cut out. I'm telling you, the atmospheric issues or whatever, The that storm wreaked havoc out here. Yeah. Oh, I bet. Do you get a lot, of, a lot of damage? I haven't gone outside yet to look. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, there's probably a few tree branches down. I didn't hear one bit of it, and it was loud. Not only flashing, as Rudy pointed out, but it, it was loud too, wasn't it? That I heard anyway. I didn't hear one he, bit of it. It was, and he. A lot of times you ask a question, somebody answers you. I don't know if you guys know. Well, I did answer it. Am I? No, I'm talking again? about these other. I two thought shows. you were asking him. I would never mm-hmm. ask answer for point. anything. <laughs> That's a good point. If, Let's be. Come on. I did have something lovely happen. It was like 11:58, and I heard that's you know raining, mm-hmm. and I woke up from it and I went oh probably only have like a couple more hours of sleep and then I looked and it wasn't even it wasn't that late and Mm -hmm. it was the best feeling ever so I was like I can get like five more hours Mm -hmm. five more hours did you get five more hours no because then Justin yeah he woke me up the baby woke me up the storm woke me up again but it was glorious for half second we're going to talk about that someday about sleeping patterns because I have developed a very well being getting up at 3.30, 3.15 3.30, 3.15 in the morning for 37 years, I suppose. I literally fall asleep at about 9.30. Mm-hmm. And then I wake up right around 1 o'clock, run to the bathroom, I come back, get back in bed. I then wake up at 3.15, not 3.10, not 3.20, 3.15 every morning. And then I go in and out of sleep for the remaining two hours. And then... Do you don't have an alarm at all, do you? I can set an alarm, but I never use it. You never use it? No. Which, like, that in itself is insane. I just wake, I literally wake up, like, every 20 minutes for the last two hours. So I wake up six times in the last two hours. Um, yeah, like, I, if I sleep through the night, when my alarm goes off, 
I have like a panic because I go, how? Oh, yeah. What happened? Yeah. Is the baby alive? Is Justin alive? Like, <laughs> That's real life. All the things because it's so rare. I sleep that whole thing. And are you peeing? Or is that a problem? I get up and pee once okay. during the night. I, I think the biggest problem is, and I never even thought of this before, and you guys got to vote on this one, but I think because I used to have to get up at 3.15 every morning, my yeah. brain will not let me sleep anymore. Maybe we have to oh, let it let absolutely. it a yeah. good year, right? Like it's not even been a whole year. No, six months, yeah. Yeah, so you got time still. But that's so weird that your brain goes, I don't care if you're trying to sleep or not, you're getting up. You've been getting up this time for 37 years. You're still going to get up at 3.15 in the Tom, morning. I'm, I'm still waking up around 4 o'clock. I know. And, it, and I, I can't fall back asleep either. You're right. You're days in and out of it. Yep. And by the way, I have a tip for married couples who uh, uh, it's the best thing Mary and I did. We each got our own blanket because Ooh. she would wrap herself up like a burrito and I'd be there shivering on the other side. <laughs> But now I got my Poor own blanket. Sandy. It's wonderful. Poor Sam. I'm surprised. Well, see, Catherine and I sleep together on the weekends once in a while, but not even that. We've not slept together for, again, the 37 years because getting up at 3.15, I'm not going to wake her up every night. Do you love that or do you miss sleeping with Catherine? I don't know. It's been so long. Yeah. That, you know, we do once in a while. Obviously, we go on trips and all that stuff. Yeah. And once in a while, we do on the weekends, but never during the week. Like, there's a part of me that would love that and a part of me that would hate yeah. it. Because you are by yourself. Yeah. So there you have it. What else you got, Sanny? Well, I mean, other than the misery brought on by your uh, Vikings <laughs> and, and twins, there is a, uh, hey, you know, I'm I'm betting that Phil Mickelson places another bet. Did you see this book that's coming out? One billion, more than $1 billion he bet over like a decade? That's what I heard. That is true. That's what the guy that was basically the bookie or the you know claimed, and he had one bet that was turned down by this guy four hundred thousand. He was betting on the Ryder Cup, which he, at least he was betting on the U.S. to win, but the guy wouldn't take the bet. And when Mickelson was asked, he said, "I've never bet on the Ryder Cup." Ooh. Well, that doesn't answer the question. Did you attempt to bet on the Ryder Cup? <laughs> good, that's a good viewpoint. Could you imagine having that kind of money to bet and piss away? A billion dollars over how many years, Bob? Over about a decade. Just 10 he, years? Yeah, he, he also... Holy he God. He didn't win a lot, too. This guy was a renowned loser. Yeah, he was. A hundred million a year he was betting. On average. Oh, my yeah. God. On average. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> right? Almost, a, almost 10 million a month. Oh. About eight and a half million a month. Your, your brain can't fathom it. <laughs> yeah. No. Well, even like during the last dance with the Chicago Bulls, on those flights, those players would play like $5,000 hands yeah. of, of just poker. I would be such a nerd because they'd be like, do you want to play? I'd say, no, 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 no. And I'd be playing like cribbage secretly just on my phone alone. Yeah. I could not hang. I'm not going to hang. No. No. I've never been a gambler much. I mean, I could go to Vegas and play slot machines or something, but I'm not a big gambler. No. And it's funny because whenever we would go to Vegas, it was, mm -hmm. you know, me you and Bob and every, all the listeners, they'd always be like, let's go gamble. And I say, they, people would even be like, here, I'll, I'll cover you, Brittany. And I'm like, can I? No, I, I feel uncomfortable. I don't want to. Yeah. I didn't have enough money to lose it. Like, right? at all. So yep. I was so uncomfortable. I hated it. Yeah, if it makes you uncomfortable, why you want to do it? I don't know. So I'd be like, I'll be at the pool. Bye. And I got to ask you a question. I don't know if this is true. And I'm not talking about any local casinos. I'm talking about only out of the state. 
I've heard a lot of those times, you, it's almost impossible to win. Do you believe that to be true? Yeah, but I'm good at penny slots now. I feel like I'm good at penny slots. <laughs> well, is it pennies? Because hear me out. Like, if it's 20 bucks, I'll be like, okay, I'm going to spend only 20 bucks, and then I'll walk away or whatever I deem that time. Mm, yeah. And it takes a long time to lose it, or you make money. So either way, you go, okay, that's my rationale behind it. Like, you can lose 20 bucks immediately yeah. at other places, and I'm slow and steady. All, all those times in Vegas, I never... I never bet because I was there in Atlantic City when the first Resorts International first casino opened, Ooh. and I got my taste of gambling then. And I just, I, I mean, it was painful to walk away losing twenty or forty bucks because I was making a pittance at the time. Yeah. And so I just, uh, I would walk by all of them. Maybe I throw a quarter in the slot machine and keep moving because I knew I was going to win. If you guys uh, go to northern Minnesota, check out uh, White Oak Casino. It's in Deer River, kind of right on Highway 2. Right as soon as you get outside of Highway 2 before, like, sh you know, straight shot to Fargo. Yeah. And while, uh, while I, was, I was on my way to my cabin one time, and I'm like, I'll stop in and drop 20 bucks just in the slot or at the blackjack table. I walk in. The, right when I got there was the last hand of the blackjack night. They, they shut it down at, like, 1 a.m. Oh. So I was like, all right, I'll just walk by the slot machine. I throw $20 in. Six and a half hours later, oh. it's 7 a.m., I'm leaving White Oak Casino with over $2,000 in the machine. Look at that. I take it out. I'm, I'm elated. I go to the cabin. I'm buying drinks. Yeah. I'm like, we're, go let's, you know, we're going to the big fish. Everybody's on beating on my tab. I get back. I'm, I'm super excited about it. I get to work on Monday, and my boss goes, two grand? That's amazing. Is this the first time you've ever gambled? I was like, I was like no, no, I've been gambling for years. He goes... Then you haven't won two grand, idiot. That's you are, so <laughs> true. You've barely, you, maybe you took a little chunk out of what you've lost, yeah. but you definitely didn't win two grand. I was like, well, thanks for ruining this, man. <laughs> to be actually very honest, the most money I've lost in Vegas is when I let Bob pick the restaurant and we Bob. went to an all-you-can-eat uh, breakfast. Yeah. And it was like $60. What? I know. And I, I saved you 60 bucks at the slot machine. Yeah. But it was like one of those things where I was like, fine, I'll go, you know, uh, yeah, I love, I rarely would go out to eat dinner. I'm like, okay, I'll go to this breakfast thing. $60 for me is insane. Okay. It would have, it would have been worth 65. It was, it was, was pretty good? good. But the problem is, is like, I just can't eat that much in one city. Mm -hmm. So I was Some like, of us can. We, I was like, Bob, we got to sit here longer. <laughs> like, we got to make this two meals worth. Like, I cannot rationale one meal for sixty dollars. I, I got to give you guys some of these lines. Billy Walters is the guy. He's, uh, you know, he's one of the big time sports gamblers. He said, from twenty ten to twenty fourteen. This is about Phil Mickelson. Mickelson bet one hundred and ten thousand dollars to win a hundred thousand, a total of one thousand one hundred and fifteen times. Eight hundred and fifty. Yep, he bet. You know, he, he you bet more to win less, but that's what he did. Uh, the Vig, I, and on eight hundred fifty-eight occasions, he bet two hundred twenty thousand to win two hundred thousand, and the sum of those uh, wagers came to more than three hundred eleven million. Doesn't say how much of it he lost. Three hundred eleven million. Yep. Oh, my God. And that's over a four-year period. In 2011 alone, he made 3,154 bets, an average of nine per day. One day in 2011, June 22nd was the day, he made 43 bets on Major League Baseball games, resulting in $143,500 in losses. Unbelievable. I, I, what drives that? See, I'm trying to rationalize that in my own brain. Why would I ever even want to do that? 
it's it's just an obsession. I mean, he it's a sickness. It's not an obsession. Yeah, yeah, it has to be. And four years, over seven thousand bets on football, basketball, and baseball. I just wouldn't. I don't have the faith in humanity to believe that some of these things aren't rigged. I'm not saying they are, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, of course. Well, here, here, this, I'm going to give you a sure bet. If the Twins have a four or five game winning streak, you can bet they're going to lose like three in the row or so. They're just going to fall apart after, you know, a good surge. That's all they do. They do well, then they just fall apart. So I bet understand. on that. All right, Sandy, we'll try to have a good weekend and keep your money in your pocket. It's staying there. We'll see you guys later. Thanks a lot, Sandy. Bob Sansevier Sports brought to you by Bialki Law Firm. Heard at work. Dave Bialki goes to work for you. Taking care of your workers' comp injury claims and denials. Go to B-I-A-L-K-E-Law.com. Tell them Bob and Tom sent you. Bob Sansevier. Carlos, ready to go? Yeah, absolutely. Carlos, how you doing? How are you, my friend? Marvelous. Thank you very much for referring to me as your friend. Quite an honor. <laughs> I will say. Honor is mine, man. Carlos Mencia, ladies and gentlemen, House Comedy, tonight and tomorrow, as a matter of fact, it's great. You know, Carlos, honest to God, I've been, I know we've been raving about this a lot lately, but it's so nice to have you guys and women back on the road telling jokes and entertaining people, and it's wonderful to hear from you guys. Never been a better time to be a comedian, in my opinion, because, uh, you know, we get to show, we get to show people what stand-up comedy really is and so many people think that what they see on their phones is funny but they say it's funny it's not like they're laughing it's not like there's a physical aspect to it it's more hey check this out it's funny lol but to actually see that and to experience it and then to have especially you know younger generations that have never been to comedy clubs who were eight you know to ten when minor mencia came out and have them go, man, I've never laughed that hard. And then their grandparents are like, I've never laughed that hard. And then their parents are, mm-hmm. I've never laughed that hard. It's really a good time for, for good comedians. N- not for hacky ones that, you know, are just... <laughs> well, no, it's true, because... I, I know, you know I all, all, all this anti-comedy you know comedy thing, I think that we kind of deserve it, in a way. I think comedians got really lazy in the, in the sense that you know, you have a comedian who starts talking to the audience and then somebody on the left side of the room, you know, says something. And instead of being witty or creative, they'll say, you know, shut the F up or something like that. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's like, well, first of all, you're the one that started talking to the audience. So once you broke that wall, you can't get mad when somebody else, yeah. you know, tries to talk to you. Also, I have a friend that his punchline to a joke was, if I find out my son is gay, I'll slit his throat. Now, I don't care. I don't care about the joke itself, but that's a lazy joke. I don't get There's it. There's no yeah. cleverness to it. There's nothing interesting about it. It's just, a, you know what I mean? It's just a, it, 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 it's, it, it's just a, ooh, shocking. I don't want to have a gay kid. There's, there's a much better way to say that, and, and I think that this is kind of cleansing comedy in those two respects, and I think that that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Carlos Mencia is Honduran-American. By the way, Carlos, you aged me tremendously this morning because you were on Mind of Mencia from 2005 to 2008. Is that correct? Yeah, I know, man. It is. God. It is. 
I can't believe it. 18 years from the beginning of that, bro. Wow. I cannot believe that was 18 years ago, Carlos. Yeah, that's the amount of siblings in my family. 18, I have another <laughs> You counted them up. Okay, well, I'm glad to hear that. But, but I like this. Uh, his style of comedy is often political and involves issues of race relations, Latin American culture, criminal justice, and social class, which I love, Carlos, because I really, really hope that people will sit down and shut up and be entertained. And this whole idea that because... You're a different sex than I am. You're a different orientation than I am. You're a different skin color than I am. What, why would I give a rat's ass about that unless you're a pain in the ass? I don't care. I was lucky the way I there grew up, though. So, yeah, but you know what? You're right. And, and again, lazy. There's so many better reasons to hate people yeah. than the way they look. <laughs> oh, that's true. <laughs> or, or if they have breasts or not. You know what I mean? There's so many. But but would it also? But but you're right. There is a hypocrisy, especially in comedy, because if you watch an LGBTQ show or shows with LGBTQ in it, they make fun of each other. Mm-hmm. The femmes make fun of you know the twinks. The twinks make fun of the bears and blah blah blah. You, you go to a Latino show. The Mexicans are making fun of the Puerto Ricans. The Puerto Ricans <laughs> don't care because they're more citizens. You know what I mean? The, the Salvadorans are taking the Mexicans' jobs. I mean, you know, it goes in and out. And I was watching, it hit me the other day because I was watching uh, a, a few friends of mine who are Asian uh, do a quote-unquote Asian show, and they did the most racist thing imaginable, and everybody laughed, and nobody really noticed it, and, and it really hit me really hard. And what it was is, and, and if you think about it, if you've seen Asians do comedy, this might actually hit you in the face. But when Asians do impressions of other Asians, pay attention, they squint their eyes a little They more. do. <laughs> that, is so, uh-huh. that, that is so racist. He's right, though. He's so right. And I watched oh, that, and I, and I saw the, and they pan into the audience, and the audience is laughing, and I remember having a thought of like, oh my God. If I was doing that and there were a bunch of Asians, they would immediately say that's racist. But it's not because it's racist. It's because they don't consider me to be their equals at that moment. Oh. Or else they would let me do that joke. I like and, that. And I thought, you know what? I, 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 I don't care. It's what you said earlier. I don't care. Now, listen, there's a big difference between we're equal and we're the same, right? Mm-hmm. I don't believe that we're the same. I, I know that we're equal. I know that men and women are equals, mm-hmm. but we're not the same. And and if you, you know, and I, I can comedically, you know, build a point and challenge that, but if but if that's not where you're at mentally, then then, then that's your problem, not mine. You know, I don't see, I do, I listen, one of my biggest jokes right now um, is, is about uh, people with disabilities. And it's because I grew up around people with disabilities. Mm-hmm. So my cousin Benji, when he was eight years old, he got shot in the back and became a paraplegic. So he ended up, whenever he had cold, so I mean, uh, bed sores or scoliosis or, you know, any kind of complications, we ended up at this place called Rancho Los Amigos Hospital. And this hospital was for uh, recovering people. It wasn't like an emergency thing. It was just for, you know, people. And so I started befriending specifically and especially the kids with cerebral palsy. Well, guess what happened when I started doing comedy? The kids with cerebral palsy started getting mad at me for ignoring them and not doing jokes. Because when they would hear Carlos Mencia makes fun of everybody, I would go hang out with them, and they were like, why aren't you making fun of me? And so when I started telling that story, I realized that the only way to honestly tell that story 
is to do an impression of them talking to me or else it sounds like me pretending to make stuff up. So I remember one time, um, this uh, Marcus specifically, all the other guys are like, how come you never do jokes about me? How come you never do jokes about me? And I was like, look, guys, you guys are my friends. You guys know me. If I make a joke about you or about, you know, your how your hand hooks perfectly so that I could take you to yeah. dim sum so you could get my dumplings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's hysterical to us. To us. <laughs> but those people aren't going to get it. And I swear to God, Marcus goes, and, and I'm going to do the impression of Marcus. So be ready for it. Marcus goes, or maybe it's because you're a pussy. <laughs> and I remember going, wait, wait, are you challenging me to this? <laughs> and... So I said to him, you know what? You're right. And next time I, I do a benefit for you guys, when well, you guys are there, I'm going to do, do an impression of you guys. I'm going to do a joke with you guys in it. So a few months later, I'm uh, doing a benefit for Ronald McDonald School in East Los Angeles oh. on the corner of Arizona and Griffin. And I got scared because I thought, right, I, I, I didn't look at the audience and I thought that they would put the quote-unquote normal people without disabilities in the front and the people with disabilities on the back. Well, no. Somebody had the great idea to put all the people with disabilities right in the front sure. and all the quote-unquote not. Yeah, and I'm staring at them and I'm like, I can't do these. I can't do impressions of these people in front of them like this. This is not cool. Of course, Marcus starts chanting, and then all the other kids with disabilities start chanting <laughs> and calling me a puss. <laughs> I, I don't want to do the joke. And so they made me do that joke on that day, and they laughed really hard, and it was so beautiful because the kids with disabilities, they were laughing. Because for the first time, you know, I started picking on them because I knew who they were. And so I would be like, oh, this guy's really nice. He'll share with you. But that guy, and I would look at him and go, that guy right there, Kevin, just watch out, man. He will pee on your burrito. I know him. And, <laughs> and, uh, and, and then I would say, and this guy over here, he fakes it. He's not really that bad. He just really loves the attention. And, and so I started doing this, and it was, it was a moment that changed my comedic life because all the, com all the kids were laughing. It's but their parents oh, no. were just in awe and, and and it's not that they couldn't laugh it's that they had always protected most of them had protected their children from everything humanly possible and it was it they got caught in that moment of mm -hmm. like wow i have been babying my kid treating them like they have a disease treating them like and yet look at how this guy is treating them they're having the best time ever and so in telling that story on stage and talking about this stuff you know, um, I, it, 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 like I said, it's, uh, it's a great time to do stuff like that. It becomes inclusive. And, you know, when you're at a comedy show and it's live and everybody's laughing, at that moment in time, everybody is thinking and feeling the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. And, and that's, that's just a be I think it's, it's, I think it's cool. And I, you know, I'm one of the few comics that A, has the balls to do that kind of material, but B, comes at it from such a, great perspective such a you know such a positive perspective that it's uh all of a sudden every single show i've done in the past three months have has at least one person that has a disability in it one person in a wheelchair one person with cerebral palsy 
one person from MS, you know what I mean? And a, a, a little bit of everything, but every single show. Uh, last week, I had seven kids in wheelchairs. <laughs> seven kids in wheelchairs come to the show. And I got there a little early, and they were already there. And as I walked by, they all looked at me and said, you better do jokes about us. <laughs> this is crazy. Yeah, you know, Carlos, when you tell that story, it reminds me of two comedians, Josh Blue and Brad Williams. Brad Williams is a little person, and well, Josh has cerebral palsy. And both those guys, wanna, well, their, their dads were like, hey, uh, listen, no one's going to give you a free lunch. Figure it out. Yep. If, don't, don't let kids bully you. Be funny. And that's how Brad won. And, and he's one of the funniest comics on the planet. Well, it's funny that you bring up those names. So Josh Blue, before anybody knew who he was, I'm at the uh, Denver Comedy Works on 15th and Larimer. I walk by a poster that looks a little funny. I pointed to the poster and looked at one of the people that worked there, and I said, is he faking it or is that real? <laughs> and he goes, oh, no, that guy had cerebral palsy. And I said, I need you to bring him to the show, like call him and see if he can come tonight. I want to see how funny he is. And I brought him on the road for the first uh, few years of his uh, comedic life. And if you ever interview him, he will tell you that when he won Last Comic Standing, he won it because he was so comfortable performing in front of a few thousand people when all the other comics had never done that before. Mm -hmm. So he, he basically, you know, gives me the credit for him winning that because I brought him on the road and, and had him perform in front of thousands of people. Brad Williams, I literally discovered. So I'm performing in Brea at the Brea Improv, and I'm doing quote unquote midget jokes. I'm using the word midget, and literally split down the middle. This half is right half of the audience laughing their asses off. Left half of the audience, no laughter whatsoever. <laughs> and I stop, and I literally go, Is there a midget in the side of the room or something? And I just see little tiny hands go up. And I go, oh, my God, there is. Come up on stage right now. I go, what's your name? He's like, Brad Williams. I said, where do you work? He said, Disneyland. I literally <laughs> oh, crap <God>. my pants. <laughs> crap my pants. It's great. And then I go, don't tell me you play one of the dwarves in, in uh, you know, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. And he gets pissed. And he's like, you're not going to believe this, Carlos. But Disneyland will not employ dwarves to serve as dwarves because they think it's demeaning to dwarves. Oh, and I'm like, so wait a minute. Oh, you're, you're a dwarf, and they're dwarves, but they're not going to give you that money as to not offend you? <laughs> and he was like, <laughs> he was like, offend me, you sons of bitches, offend me. Yeah, and, uh, absolutely. So he'd never done stand-up. He wasn't a stand-up comedian. At that point, he was just a college student going to USC. What a so, great story. Uh, a year later, uh, I'm performing at the Improv in Ontario, and Brad shows up, and he goes, "Bro, I've been doing stand up. I'm I'm doing comedy. I'm loving it. I think I want to be a comedian." And he walks away, and my wife goes, "You should put him on stage." And I said, "Listen, guys, you don't understand. He's a young comedian. This is a sold out show with about 450 people. Mm -hmm. If he bombs." It's really gonna, it's really gonna mess with his head, and it might, it might be months, if not years, before he recovers from it, because this is like his dream, and I don't know that he's ready for it. And my brother comes up and he goes, "What are you guys talking about?" And I go, "Amy, my wife." I go, "Amy wants me to put Brad up on stage," 
And he goes, why don't you? I go, well, what if he bombs? And my brother looks at me and he goes, he's a midget, stupid. They're going to laugh. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> oh, that's, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, and I said, you know what? You're right. Let's just give him a shot. And uh, I, I brought him on stage. And Brad, uh, well, I, if you watch Mina Mencia, Brad was all over Mina Mencia. Mm-hmm. He, he, he was on at least 30, 30% of the episodes. So him... Uh, and and uh, Chris uh, Chris Crazy Lakes Fonseca, a, a Mexican guy that has palsy, he's open for me many times. So almost everybody that I know of that I've ever got that was funny that has a disability, this other kid named Short Bus who does stand up in uh, Phoenix, he opens for me. He can't travel, so he only opens for me when I'm in Phoenix. But yeah, I actually give these guys work, and it's funny that you bring those two guys up because those two guys, I'm I'm pretty much their mentors, and I and I kind of, you know, was the person that blew up their careers. Nice, that's a wonderful deal, Carlos Mencia, ladies and gentlemen. House of Comedy <laughs> tonight and tomorrow night, Carlos. Next time you're in town, you gotta come by, Pally. Oh, my brother, I seriously cannot cannot wait, man. I mean, I, I you know what? I, I was going, my flight got canceled. And the red eye didn't get me there on time. And, you know, I was supposed to be on a plane right now, mm-hmm. but I, I changed things around so that I could call in because I definitely didn't want to, like, miss this out. You're a good man. I hope to see you soon, Carlos. Thank you, sir. Uh, I cannot win, man. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks. Carlos Mencia, ladies and gentlemen. Love that guy. Yeah. But I still pissed off at him. That was 18 years ago. <laughs> I know. It, like, blows my mind. I was sitting I, here going, it can't be that long. I would have said five years ago. I would have said, yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. Nothing over ten. Although you notice that the show ended in two thousand eight, so it's Carlos's fault the economy collapsed. I mm-hmm. thought so. See? I was going to blame him. Yeah, typical. typical. No, I do. Also, that was great. Get on that yeah. on him, no question. We shall take a break. Got a lot more. You know, one thing I do got. I have to say that I love Carlos Mencia. He's a pretty big da- name. He's had his own TV shows. He's had. I mean, he's. Uh, I love it when they come on. I got eight to ten minutes, and then they stay on for about 25. I know. I love that stuff. And he was supposed to be in studio and missed his flight, so it's one of those things. We posted about him being in studio. You can tell he just wanted to be here. Yeah, and he was like, I landed at 7 o'clock, and he's like, I got to figured this out because he really wanted to like make it happen because he hates not sticking to his word. So Mm -hmm. it was very nice of him. Super nice. I agree. Couldn't agree more. We will be right back, ladies and gentlemen. Kristen, the lovely and talented Carlos Mencia, and then Kristen Burt. We're lucky. Back to back. Uh, I'm so happy to welcome back our longtime friend, Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning, to the show. I've known Steve, the owner, for many years, and I completely trust Sabre to keep my house comfortable. Why? Sabre does everything the right way, and they always put the customer first. I love the team at Sabre because their service experts are experienced NATE certified technicians. They're not salespeople. Their pricing is completely upfront, and they fix only what needs to be fixed, nothing more. Sabre is dedicated to giving customers what they need, when they need it, and at a fair price. Keeping your family safe and comfortable without breaking the bank. Give Sabre Heating and Air Conditioning a try. I know they'll take care of you just like they've taken care of me and my entire family. 
Whether you need a new Bryant furnace or air conditioner replaced or just simply need a service call to get you going again, go to saberheating.com. That's S-A-B-R-E heating.com. Saber and Bryant, whatever it takes. Hi, I'm Mike Bryant, and I'm driving my car safely and legally communicating on my phone. Minnesota law allows a driver to use their cell phone to make calls, text, listen to music or podcasts, and get directions by voice command or single-touch activation without holding your phone. Violations are very expensive. The National Safety Council reports that cell phone use while driving leads to 1.6 million crashes per year, and nearly 400,000 injuries are caused by texting and driving. Not surprising, since four seconds with your eyes off the road is like driving the length of a football field blindfolded. And research shows that just two seconds increases the risk of an accident up to 24 times. Texting may only take a second, but it can end your life or ruin it forever. Please, Drive safely and stay alive. Find Bradshaw and Bryant, personal injury attorneys at minnesotapersonalinjury.com. Bradshaw and Bryant. Hello, I'm Brad Huckle, President and Chief Lending Officer at North American Banking Company. And I'm Michael Bilski, CEO at North American Banking Company. As a locally owned and operated community bank, we work with many multi-generational businesses. Take personal care dentistry of Roseville, for example. Dr. Walter Hunt, also known as Painless to me, has been a longtime customer of the bank since we opened the bank in 1998. When his son Kyle was ready to join the practice, they wanted to expand quickly. With their additional space and equipment, they now are able to see more patients each day while providing the same level of care and service. Okay, guys, I'll take it from here. If you run a family business or any kind of business for that matter, you should be banking with Brad and Mike over at North American Banking Company. Every time I deal with them or their team, I know I'm working with experienced professional bankers. So why not bank with my banker? North American Banking Company, a better banking experience, member FDIC, equal housing lender. This is the Tom Bernard Morning Show Podcast. We are listening to the Tom Bernard Morning Show, you lucky sons of a bitches. We've got Kristen Burt, our Hollywood reporter in London. How are you doing, Kristen? <laughs> the first entertainment reporter, Kitty. Yeah, But not the last. I think we were going to start a trend. I know. She is all into the entertainment report every morning. She's on the beat. Yep, she is. She's in the know. Well, should we get started? Yeah, yeah. tell me. Tell Absolutely. me what's going on. Are we, yeah, what stories you got for us? Well, yeah, let's at least start with we're making progress in Hollywood. Are I, we? I'm hoping that this, I'm, I'm hoping. <clears throat> First of all, primetime Emmys have officially been rescheduled, so they are happening. Yeah. Like I said, it is January. It's January 15th of 2024, but they are going to happen. So this is at least a sign that by the time the new year rolls around, these strikes will be over. Everyone's feeling pretty confident about that. And as of today, 2 p.m. Pacific time, Writers Guild and the AMPTP are sitting down and starting negotiations, not like bickering or having a meeting to have a meeting. They're actually doing something. So let's hope that this progresses and that we don't have to be on this picket line for much longer. It just feels like, right? I mean, and... Every talk we've had with you, it just feels like people are coming from completely different point of views, and there just seems to be no middle ground at all. I mean, I, I mean, we've had such great updates from you, but I've never once heard you say we're close, which is daunting. It really is, and I don't, you know, 
it's hard to like convey what's kind of happening in LA as a neighborhood. Yeah. We are really seeing a huge economic dip here. Yeah. And that's because when you've had the writers on strike for a hundred days and now you have the actors joining them, it's just such a ripple effect on all of the small businesses in our community. And they're saying some of the restaurants are saying business is down. 30%. They're losing $100,000 a month. Mm -hmm. And they're saying, hey, you know, we recovered from the pandemic. We had some assistance, but because that this is a localized, this isn't a global phenomenon, they're not getting assistance. And it's, it's con concerning to so many business owners because they're like, I don't know if I can weather through this again if this strike goes on even another month. Wow. Yeah, yeah, it's daunting. I mean, and so with the pivot, what are you seeing most? I, I did read somewhere that we might be seeing a lot more podcasts pop up because of this. What are you seeing people get creative with, uh, you know, different streams of income? Yeah, it's it's been really fascinating. I mean, a lot of people have had to take that second job in terms of like, yeah, I'm waiting tables again or I'm, I'm doing like Ubering and, and things like that. But I think a lot of people are are realizing that doing your own project, using your own money and not under the streaming system and thinking that like Netflix, a Netflix deal is the end all be all yeah. is going to make you all this money. I think that people are starting to realize that models like Matt Damon and Ben Affleck have come up with an independent studio where everyone shares in the success is the wave of the future. And I think there's been a lot of confusion about the interim agreements that SAG has given out going and people are like, well, why is this particular Anne Hathaway movie shooting when we're all on strike? It's independence outside of the system, and they are willing to agree to all of the terms that are currently on the table with AMPTP. And they're saying, we have no problem with, you know, the AI or the rev share or or any of this or giving, you know, actors a boost in salary. So I think that that's the, one of the reasons why they're pushing so hard saying independent con productions can do it. Why yeah. can't you as a big studio? Now with the independent studios, a lot of times there are people that are involved that are financially doing pretty well and they can take the loss. Does that model you think translate to people who can't take the loss? Well, in some of these new models, if everyone, including the crew, has a revenue share in this, they're going to be able to, if it's a huge success, they're going to start seeing new streams of uh, revenue come yeah. in after the film has come out, which I think is great. You know, that, that passive income, the movies, the work is already done. Two years later, this is like going like hotcakes, whatever, on video on demand, and you still see that money coming in. And I think that that's what we need to do because you need to set people up for the future. The middle-class actor just doesn't exist anymore. It's, you know, the one percenters, it's the Tom Cruises and the Meryl Streeps, and then it's everyone else just scraping by. And I think the reality of it all with Billy Porter saying, I'm having to sell my house. Yeah. Now, Again, maybe he didn't manage his money great and things like that, yeah. but he is at a point where he's like, I can't weather a six-week, a three-week, a three-month strike in this business. Yeah, there is a little bit of me. Tom, you'd probably agree with this, that if – what are you doing with your finances if yeah. you can't take six weeks and have a – you know right. what I mean? Like, what what happened, man? It, it, I get that there are a lot of people that have a tough time. Who, who A month out of work, you'd be – 
devastated. Yeah. But at the money that Billy Porter has probably brought in over the last yeah. decade, you don't have enough to just get you through a six-month sabbatical? Yeah. I mean, and like Kristen said, you guys kind of knew in advance, a, a lot of people in Hollywood knew that this was going to be a long... So a part of me goes, okay, why weren't you buckling down? I can see if you were living like you were going to keep making that money, but if you were told by everybody around you, like, this is about to stop, you think that mm-hmm. that would be happening sooner. Yeah. I mean, most people I know started taking up extra work at the beginning of the year just in case this was a long strike, just to make sure that everything, you know, is buckled down. You can weather it. You don't have to worry about it. And, you know, that that does speak to maybe, like, hey, he's, like, probably outspending what he's earning. Um, but maybe it's a good reality check too, because I think I, but I think what it's opened everyone's eyes to is that the people that are making like the $20 million are so small. It is such a small elite group. I mean, it's maybe 50 actors and then there's everybody else. And even the ones that are famous enough, have won Emmys, have won Tonys, Grammys, et cetera, are still struggling, maybe less struggling than the actor who's unknown, but they don't have this super cushy life where they're just like, oh, it's no big deal. I can take, you know, a year off and I'll be fine. Sydney Sweeney, whom I think a lot of people know from Euphoria and uh, White Lotus, has said, you know, I don't have the luxury of even taking six months off. I've been very successful. You know my name, but I need to continue to keep on working to pay my mortgage at this point. What a world, honestly. You know what's amazing about this is the very people who marched in the streets, oh, America's far too capitalist, we've got to do something about it. The very same people who chirp the loudest have this little commie system they got now where they get all the money. The very same people who said, we all got to be in this together, took the money and ran as soon as they got a chance. They're a bunch of lying scum. Well, I will say a a lot of the very wealthy actors have stepped up, donated a million dollars to some of the relief funds for the writers and for the actors. They should. A lot of them are out there striking themselves and out in the picket lines. And listen, L.A. in the summer is not fun. It's hot Mm -hmm. and (laughs) it's gross. But they are out there with people uh, standing side by side. And a lot of them have said, hey, I get this. This strike is not about us. They're concerned about A.I. as well. They should be. But when it comes to the money, this is about all of the supporting actors that help me make my film a success. And this is the first time we've really seen some of the A-listers step into a fight when it comes to the union. Usually they're just like, Good. can't be bothered. So this is the first time they have a dog in the fight, at least with the AI. Well, I hope so. It's just the whole thing. Like You keep an eye on what happened over the last 50, 60, 70 years, whatever, and you think to yourself, this is a really bad idea, and if you move forward with it, it's not going to work. And it never does work because people cannot stop themselves from being pigs. And I don't, That's one of the things that really upsets me the most about humanity. The second you get a chance to take money, you'll do it. It's like, no, you're supposed to take care of people, and then they make the money. How about that? Right? Well, absolutely. And you would think that that would be the case. And I, I'm I'm very hopeful for other models similar to what Ben Affleck and Matt Damon are doing. If this is successful, and I, I think that they have the possibility mm-hmm. of doing that, it, you know, it gives an incentive for people to also do a good job and not feel, you know, completely jaded on the job. Because... 
while actors get residuals, everyone also has to remember that your makeup artists and your costume designers, they don't get residuals. Right. You know, once they finish the film, they just move on. And if now all of a sudden they're getting a little extra money because the film was successful, I think that that creates a better attitude in Hollywood overall. You think it'll carry forward? I, I hope so. I hope so, so far, too. Yeah, I mean, so far... With Air, because that was the first project to come out of their uh, artist equity company with Matt and Ben. People have been talk about it behind the scenes. Like, it was a great experience. I feel great about this. It, obviously, they know it was a good movie, but they're also feeling good about the work that they did. And I, I, I think we've all been in situations where you've been on the job and you're, everyone's like, oh, my gosh, you have this incredible job. And you're miserable every day you go there because you're like, nobody cares about the work I do. Right. That's not a good message. I, I'm glad you pointed that out because that's it is tough to, to get up in the morning or whenever the hell you get up and go to work and realize they don't really give a rat's ass if you're there or not. Right. That's and tough. so when someone recognizes your work, whether it's, you know, yeah. a, a just like, hey, good job or a, you know, uh, like, hey, here's a, here's an extra check for you. Well, no matter what it is, it does give <laughs> yeah. you. A little boost. My editor yesterday came in, like slid into like Slack yesterday and said something about my writing that was just really, I've been cranking out um, this whole series of articles on first ladies. It's not like, you know, earth shattering uh, news or anything else like that, but just perspectives of what they each brought to the table in each generation. And she was like, ah, and I was, you know, you just sit there and you go, oh, I'm so glad that someone like was passionate about the work that I was doing because I'm about yeah. you know doing doing a whole series and you're like is anyone noticing? <laughs> that just came up as a matter of fact. I had a discussion with some people, and people praising other people's work or their attitudes or the way they live that doesn't happen very much anymore. I mean, you say, hey, that was a great job. You did a nice job. That's that's wonderful. That doesn't yeah, happen and it anymore. Makes people feel good. It, it does, does. Yeah. absolutely. It does. made my day because she popped in out of nowhere. And I wasn't asking for it. I wasn't asking for feedback. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, okay, thank yep. you. I was going to tell Brittany this, and I forgot, because people ask me about my daughter and how it is that I was such a royal screw-up, but I ended up you know, having such a, a kid who's very well-respectful. She's intelligent. She's a straight-A student. And I always give them two things. It's always you say uh, it is delayed gratification, and you let the kids make the choice. Now, I'm adding a third thing into this because I just read it the other day that when you praised kids, they took two groups of kids in this study and they both both kids had to color and they praised one group by saying, oh, that's such a great job. You're the best. And then they took another group of kids and said, wow, you worked really hard. That is amazing effort that you put in. And then they gave them each another set of like, you know, coloring books. The kids who were praised by saying you put in great effort you worked really hard at this as compared to just saying, that's really good. You're the best. The kids who got effort praised did so much better when it came to coloring and when it came to like mathematics and skills, because you're, they're, you're teaching kids that it is a process. Yeah. And, and that is the thing that, and, and I started it with it yesterday as after I read it, my daughter got in the car after work and she goes, Oh, there was a parent yesterday that said, you're such a good coach. I hope you coach my daughter in the fall. And I said, that's because of your hard work. Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's really like kid, people and not just kids, but people need to be able to hear those things to stay motivated. Cause if morale is dead, ah, it, it, why even show up? You know, isn't that so true? There is nothing bigger than a compliment in my, my mom's eyes when she gives it where she goes, gosh, you work hard. When she says that, I'm like, oh, oh, 
Yeah. I just die. Yeah. I don't know what it is about being a hard worker that just feels like a million bucks. And I thought it was a Minnesota thing, but maybe it's universal. Yeah. It, 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 I mean, think about it. It's a love language. Yeah. When you t- mm-hmm. when you praise somebody, that's them. That's you telling them in a certain way that you love them. Yeah. Yeah. But you don't really hear that anywhere near as much as you used to. No. You just don't. No. Which is unfortunate. Mm-hmm. I tell my, my, my wife, our children, our grandchildren, every day that I love them. Because... I didn't hear that when I was a little kid, mm-hmm. you know? My mom told me after, well, I told her I loved her when she was 62 years old. And she said, she claimed I was the first person that ever said that to her. That's insane. Yeah. What? Yeah. She said my father never told her he loved her. Oh. Yeah. Up until like the last, like maybe two and a half years, like right before COVID, my family, we never said I loved you. Right. Ever. No, I, it's I, true. I would come home for the weekend. I'd walk in. I'd be there for 48 hours. I would get in the car and I'd be like, all right, take care, guys. And I'd drive away. I nope. can so see yeah. that. Yeah. And <laughs> no. you. <laughs> no and then I have that disease. Like even when I was talking, I called you today to see if you wanted coffee. And I like almost was like, all right, love you. And I'm like, that would have been weird. Like I am such a, when I have like a, I just want to tell people, I like you. I love you. We're friends. Yeah. Ah! Like I'm that. Yeah. That's great. That I tell you, you I that. tell you I love you all the time. You tell me I'm a massive pain in the ass. I literally left yesterday I and I said to you, hey, thanks for being all excited about me getting a giant box. That was really fun and thoughtful. And it felt like we were this team. I even said, I felt like we were this team to get this giant box for my kiddo that was down the hall. And I said, I really love that. Thank you. I thought that was, so I like, I, I, I do. love that stuff. I do too. I think it's very, very good for people, but it does. it's happening less and less again. I remember back when I was a kid, it never happened. And now we're getting right back to the, I'm not telling you anything nice. It's like, shut up. There's nothing better when Amy or Dan will pull me aside, our bosses, and say, hey, we saw that you're doing A, B, and C, and we're, you know, what? and I'm like, I I think that sometimes, I mean, sometimes it's nice when people just financially say, here you go, but sometimes that's, it's a little better. I see you. I see what you're doing. Yeah, and that's just that acknowledgement is, is amazing. And the other pro- problem we have is the lying because that never happens. <laughs> no, it doesn't. But in my dream journal. Yeah. In my dream journal. <laughs> it happens all the time. This is the Tom Bernard Morning Show. The Tom Bernard Morning Show. Streamed every morning on the Tom Bernard Show app. And anytime, on demand, wherever you get your podcasts.